You know, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose heart is loyal to him that he might show himself strong. So that's where we are. And he's finding a bunch of people that, um, you know, we don't have to be that special. We know the special one. His name is Jesus. All right, anyway, Acts chapter 2, beginning there in verse uh, 38. Let me just show you some things. Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are for you. This promise is for you, to you and your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And so he talks about the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit and the gift and the children and the generation. But then He speaks specifically in verse 40. He says, and with many other words, Peter says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Now the word perverse, you know, means crooked, torturous. It's torturous just to think of the things going on. Wicked. You know, the Amplified Peter is warning. He's reproving them. He's advising them. He's encouraging them. You know, this unjust, wicked, perverse generation. Be saved. For how many of you think it'd be a good idea to be saved from this perverse generation? How many of you think we're living in the midst of a wicked, perverse, unjust, crooked, immoral, godless generation? So we have to stand. You got to save. Now, now he's not talking, although he could be. I first thought, now this is not about being saved, you know, from our sin. But he could be, because just right in next, he says there were 3,000. About 3,000 were added to the church. So obviously that fits into the context too. But I think he's also, some many versions talk about how that save yourselves is what it says. So now we know that's not about salvation. But there are certain things that we should do in order to make sure we are saved in the midst of this perverse generation. Does that make sense? Looking at it from both, both perspectives. You know, when we get back after July, the first three weeks or so, we got to get into this. I ordered this gigantic book called Nehemiah Strong. I heard the guy speak and I thought, whoa, this is another guy that I bear witness with. He knows what's happening. And he's part of raising up an army. So we're going to get into Nehemiah strong. I don't know how to do it yet. I look at books this thick and I think, God, are you kidding me? How am I going to read that? You know what I'm talking about. You just do it. You just do it. So we'll figure out a way to do it. But in Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 14, listen to the Scripture. This is a word for us today. And I looked rightfully discern, I perceived, Nehemiah 4.14. I'm going to add a little bit to it. And I look. So that means we got to look, we got to perceive the times. we got to discern what's happening. I mean, if you notice, some people are asleep. Although it's hard to asleep, to sleep too much in this hour. You keep getting woke up by all the things going on. And arose. I got up. Are we supposed to arise and shine? For our light has come. We want God to arise. God wants you to arise. He's already arisen. He rose from the dead. That's pretty good. Jesus rose from the dead. Arise and speak. Or he said, we got to speak up. How many of you know we can't be silent in this hour? If you're silent over the things God's shown you. Anyway. I would not want to stand before him on the, get the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord said, I gave you that. Imp- I told you all about that and you were silent. In any way, we can't be silent. And then to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, say to all the people, do not be afraid. 
You know what fear does? It paralyzes you, right? Sends you into this panic mode. You don't say anything. You don't do anything. You go hide out in the trees or whatever. We don't want to do that. Remember the Lord great and awesome. We got to remember who our God is in this hour. Men are not that impressive, but our God is greatly impressive. And fight. Say the word fight. Fight for your brethren. I I looked that up. It means, yeah, your brethren in Christ, but also your countrymen. Most of our countrymen, they don't even know their right hand from their left. They can't discern the times because they don't know Jesus. So how are they going to discern the times? So we got to fight lest they be carried off captive into an eternal separation from God. Hell. Hell is real. It's real. Anyway, fight for your brethren, those who cannot discern for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Anyway, we gotta, we got to go forward in this hour. Now, before we press on, you know, this is Father's Day. That's pretty awesome. You know what happened in Pensacola, Florida, on, Father, on a Father's Day? What happened here in worship? Had to be pretty similar. So anyway, I would really make sure I make it to the altar today. Jesus is liable to touch a lot of people. Yep. Going to do great things. That revival in Pensacola touched us greatly. I was pastoring a Baptist church in Columbia, Mississippi. And we would sneak over. <laughs> anyway, we would. We'd sneak over. I said, man, this is wild. We'd wait in line for hours to get in that place. And we brought something back. I told some of you, we, were, we had this play where revival broke out, you know, and it was pretty amazing. But anyway, we were in a, one of the prayer meetings, remember? I think I mentioned before the service, and the, the Holy Spirit showed up in our Baptist prayer meeting and surely fell out under the power of God. And I'm the pastor. I thought, Shirley, get up. What are you doing? This is a Baptist church. You don't do that. You can, what are you doing? So how can this be? Anyway, she fell. Get up. No, she didn't. Thank God. And then the Spirit of God just came to the church, and we had revival. In a, we did. It made the newspapers, the television. The, in Hattiesburg, people came from everywhere, and it lasted about three weeks. They wrote about it in Charisma. And you know, whenever you live through something like that, it just puts a hook in you. It's like nothing else will ever satisfy. You want that, and you want that and more. This is the day of more. That's wonderful. Thank God for all of that. Thank God for Pensacola. Thank God for the Sharer schoolhouse they went to a few weeks ago. But all that, but now more. But anyway, I, I was thinking, <clears throat> what, would, what would give us an indication when the conditions are right for God to move again? I wrote down some things, and then we'll get back to Acts chapter 2. But here's some conditions for God to move. When the situation looks impossible, when it appears hopeless, now, you know, hope that is seen is not hope. So we don't have to see if it looks impossible. Then when there's desperation and hunger, those that hunger and thirst, they shall be filled, right? And hunger for righteousness. Where there are no other options, where there's revival or bust. How I many of you think that's probably the way it is in America right now? Am I the only one? You see any other options other than Jesus? I don't see a one. And then when sin is celebrated and righteousness is condemned. When I saw what the attorney general in Michigan said this week, if I had been a Michigan resident, she should be impeached. Immediately. Where are the people of Michigan? Stand up for your God. Stand up for your children. And then, when you let go and let God, regardless of what it looks like, that's a condition. As long as we hold on, you know, to the reins. How can He reign if you're holding on to the reins? We need God to move, regardless of what it looks like. I, I may have shared this before, but some of you, you're new, so 
I remember hearing a story about a a little boy that every night he'd go to sleep with the light on, and he was scared. So the mother said, okay, that's enough. From now on, I'm turning the light off, and you're going to sleep with the light off. He he argued he didn't get anywhere. So the mother turns the light off. Before she turned the light off, she said, now God is in this room with you. Don't fear. Good night. Turn the light off. Close the door. Little guy gets under the covers. After 30 seconds or so, he looks, peeks out and looks out. He says, God, I know you're in this room because my mother said so and she would never lie. But please don't move because if you move, you're going to scare me to death. And that's the way you know it's been. Listen, we don't care what it looks like. We're not going to be scared. Are you guys ready? Bonnie's word was fire and glory. So, man, hey, when we get back, you guys, hey, man, let's just have some times. Don't even worry about pressing on. Just be quiet, worship. I have a feeling, I mean, mean, we've been preaching the word. I've been preaching the word. I've not backed off. So now it's time just to encounter his presence too. So there'll be times we won't have anything to say. That's probably a good thing. There's been a lot said that shouldn't have never been said. What are you going to say? That's one of my points. I'm going to get there. Okay. Okay. The conditions are right when your reputation is the, is the least of your concerns. The conditions are right when your strength is gone. Aren't we supposed to boast in our weakness? It's not a day to say, boy, I'm really army strong, man. No, you're weak. You boast in your weakness so that the power of Christ would rest upon you. The condition is right when you're the least, the shortest. I like that. When you're overlooked, when people think there's nothing good that can come out of you. I was, you know, I'm from Bogalusa, Louisiana. People used to say, can anything good come out of Bogalusa? They don't even know what Bogalusa, they thought it was a disease. (laughs) What is that, a disease? (laughs) People thinking, can anything good come out of Wilkes County? Can anything good come out of Uganda? I'm telling you, we're seeing revival in Uganda. Some of you guys don't know what's happening. It's major. This week I'll be in Rwanda, not literally, but by Zoom. Can anything good come out of Rwanda? Mm. I'm having the time of my life on my back porch and my Zoom preaching. It's amazing. Anyway, let me go on. Can anything good come out of America? Yes, that's it. All right. When your faith is waning, that's another condition. You feel all you got left is like mustard seed faith. It's a good place to be. When unbelief seems to be overtaking your belief. Remember the guy that said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. How many of you ever been there? I have. When there's no way out, when you're trapped and nowhere to turn, that's a condition for God to move. When when God does move, he will get all the glory because you couldn't get anything You couldn't get the glory if you had to. It had to have been God. That's what we want, isn't it? You say, man, God moved among those people. That must have been God. Because I know those people. And they had nothing to brag on. That's what you want. And then when you feel there's nothing more that can be said or done. And then when the time is right, in the fullness of time, Jesus Okay, the fullness of time. Here's one. When death has taken its toll and is knocking at your door. You know, we, there's stuff happening, guys. How many of you know somebody that's died in the last... Most all of us know. Five people died in this neighborhood. We know we're living. This men. It's almost as if the devil is doing what he's supposed to do. Kill, steal, and destroy. Well, didn't Jesus say that's what he does? And he's murdered, James 5, he murders the just and no one resists. 
That's one of the scriptures I've been thinking about in this season we're living. Genocide, things happening. They won't let you talk about it. And I say, God, they're murdering the just and no one is resisting. He said, well, did not tell you that's going to happen? Have you not read my book? Have you not read the book of James? And there are many, many places in the scripture. Well, it's a good time for God to move. And then when Acts chapter 2 verse 40 is obviously happening all around you. Man, I'm so thankful to get to preach the gospel. You guys don't know me that well. Some of you, now some of you know me forever. Tony and Linda and these guys, man, we've been going back, mission trips. We've known each other forever, but I just, last Sunday, you know, we have about 17 churches in the county that we've been doing some things together. So we have our text and we send messages from time to time. And uh, we go on pastor's retreats. We've been on four or five of them. And this last Sunday morning, I just woke up so excited. And I text all of my brothers. I said, wow, guys, we get to preach today. And some of them responded. But I can remember back in the early days, you know, you're scared. Some mean people in some of those churches. And they look at you mean when you're a young guy. You know, some of those, I'm not going to mention their name, but you don't know what they're looking at you, like going to eat you alive. One time I took down a church covenant. It was on the board. I thought that didn't need to go there. Boy, was that a bad thing to do. That lady was right there. You took down my church covenant. Serious. Oh, boy. Anyway, I'm so glad. I appreciate, but listen, those times are rare. Now, every time, it's like, God, I get to preach the word. I get to. I get to do this. Are you kidding me, God? Especially in this hour, in 2022? Man, you should have that same thought. Like, wow, I get to be a believer in this time? With stuff going on like it's happening, God, are you kidding me? No, he's not. He's serious. He called you. Called me too. This is an amazing time. Even in darkness, famine, and sword, we're going to declare the word of the Lord. Now, you know, last week I shared about how this king of Israel led the people in moral decline And he caused all of ruin, the whole nation, there was great ruin. And I know that many of our leaders today are doing the same thing. It's actually probably not the leaders, it's those behind the scenes calling the shot. I just want to announce their time is short and their doom is sure. If I read the Bible correctly, You better move while you have opportunity because the king of glory is coming. And it's righteousness that will prevail. Anyway, that's where we are. Now, okay, I've got 20. I'm just going to take a few minutes because this is Father's Day. I'm going to go be with my son. We're going to go to a baseball game. You know? And it's really cool because my son played baseball. So we'll reminisce. Hey, son, you remember when you were on the mound and I was, up to, I was in the stands doing this? Lord, help him. Help him, Lord. Help him get it over the plate. And he did. A bunch of them. But anyway, Acts 2.40. And with many other words, he testified, be saved. Save yourself from this perverse generation. Now, salvation. I'm going to just hit some things quickly. We know it's gained through faith in Jesus Christ, not of your works, but it's experienced, right? Are you not to experience this salvation? It's something you walk out. It's something also that's ongoing and eternal. Romans 13, 11, and do this knowing the time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Is it not nearer Okay, this ultimate salvation, eternal salvation, nearer. 
Now, right after making this statement, be saved, save yourselves, some translations say, from this perverse, wicked, corrupt generation. He tells us how to do that. He says, then those who gladly received his word. So we know in this hour, stay in the word of God. Stay in the word. Receive his word. We've got to make sure. You know, last week we talked about those five solas during the, of the Reformation. The five decrees of the Reformation. And the first one, do you remember what they were? The first one was what? Scripture alone. During the Reformation, that's what the Reformers they shook off the religious system and he said, no, we will stand by Scripture alone. And you got to be standing on the Scripture alone. It's what God said to you, what God said in his word. You got to stand there. Christ alone, faith alone, to glory be to God alone and all those things. And then be baptized. This is what happened right after this. He says, be saved, those who received the word and were baptized. I remember hearing, now I know baptism is a, an outward experience or an outward sign of a testimony of your, what God has done within, and we know that, and we have baptism on Friday nights, and people are encountering the Lord, and it was powerful Friday night. We're going to do that when we get back. It's just keep doing it till the Lord says, I, no, I know we'll keep doing it till the lost, there's so many lost, we just crank up both of them and... We'll fill that with water, and we'll just figure out how to baptize everybody. We'll just figure it out. One time we put a fish in that, and it looked like a big fish tank anyway. Remember that? It was for Bobby Connor. We wanted to fool around with Bobby. And he looked at the fish. I knew. Anyway, baptized. But anyway, I did not realize. I don't know where. Some, I know they told me this somewhere along the way. But I know baptism means immersion. So if you're baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's more than just that act. You want to be immersed in all that is God the Father. You want to be immersed in all that it means God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Everything the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, you want to be immersed in that in this hour. So we got to, we got to do that. And then continue in the Apostles' Doctrine. Doctrine is not a dirty word. I remember a time when, anyway, they thought uh, you just, you know, preaching the word. Yeah, I'm preaching God's word. Because there's going to come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. I'm so glad 14 years ago when I made, the Lord spoke to me. He says, you preach my word. I don't care what they say. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. I'm so thankful. So you haven't been here the 14 years, but I have. So I'm soaked in all of the Word of God. And you, I'm just telling you, but you got to stay in the Word, endure. And then continue in fellowship and family, and that's what happened yesterday. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some, especially as you see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? Today, you look out, you, it's got to be today. You think you're going to make it alone? You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it alone. You're going to have to have people. You have to have the body of Christ. And then continue in prayer. Boy, Friday night was awesome with Richard and Kimberly talking about praying, you know, with authority, the land. And it was just wonderful. And anyway, I get around the Wilsons, and you have, they're no compromise people. No compromise. And the devil has to hate that. And then fear God. They feared God. Fear came upon every soul. I heard someone, and I have a feeling they're probably saying this about these prep classes. Oh, that's just fear porn. You ever heard that? Fear porn. Let me tell you. You ain't seen nothing yet in the world. But the key to not being given over to fear is to fear God. You fear God the way the Bible says to fear Him. You won't fear a demon. You won't fear any of this stuff. You'll stand. You'll fear God. We need a holy fear of God. I just saw, I don't know who it was, somebody 
famous preached, we need the fear of God again. Well, I'm saying it too, and I'm not even famous. We need the fear of God again. Can I tell you in America, the church is going to fear God. That's probably part of the problem. We don't fear God. So we think we can do whatever we want, say whatever we want. Do, it, it ain't going to happen. Things are changing. Now, I've got to release a word. Oh, well. Was it Wednesday night, early Thursday morning? I know not. But I heard the Lord speak to me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, when you hear the Lord. You don't have to have anybody tell you that was the Lord. Now, sometime I need the Lord to do that. Hey, you know, that's me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because these thoughts come in and say, ah, that's just my thought. That, you know, no. I heard the word of the Lord. He said, this is what I heard, revival behind enemy lines. That's what I heard. And I repeated it so I wouldn't forget it until I could write it down, revival behind enemy lines. In other words, there are going to be battles in the natural and in the spirit, both. And we got to be ready to carry on the will of God even if we are behind enemy lines. Now, you can ask the Lord what all that means, but I'm just telling you, we're there. Now, there are going to be casualties if you're behind enemy lines. Would I not think that would be true? I was thinking this week about Rick Joyner's vision, the harvest. How many of you remember that vision? That's how I got introduced to Rick Joyner and Morningstar. We were in West Virginia, Philippi, pastoring Silent Grove Baptist Church. That was the church. That's the name of it. We were not silent. I made sure it wasn't that way. And we dumped the word silent and grove. I didn't like grove. It sounded like a graveyard to me. This is the way I thought. We just call ourselves the church. I don't know what we called ourselves. People thought we were, they, well, I don't want to tell you what people thought. But anyway, we started worshiping God. This was the days I didn't know what worship was. Because they didn't tell me about that. And so we started worshiping. I went over all the scriptures about worship. And we started worshiping, raising and worshiping. That's the way I, that's the way I learned I, I saw it in the scripture. Let's go for it. And, and it was just, you know, it was pretty amazing. But anyway, somebody gave me a vision by Rick Joyner on the harvest. And I read it. And that's when Rick was speaking in Gettysburg. And that's where I met Get- Rick on the battle of Gettysburg, on the Gettysburg, on the battlefield. Wow. It was prophetic. I went up to Rick. I said, Rick, I'm going to call you one day. I had never met him from Adam. He looked at me like I was crazy. I felt like I was crazy. I went and sat down. I thought, that was crazy. Why, you, you, I, I, why couldn't you say something besides that? And then guess what happened? We ended up being in Shelby, and I called Rick Joyner one day. It happened, and that's how the whole story. I met him on the battlefield. But anyway, I remember the vision Oh, man, you got to read that vision because it makes sense now. Remember, there was the harvest. It's in Joshua. The whole time, the harvest was during the whole time of the flooding of the Jordan. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. That's the way it says, during the whole time of the harvest. Anybody remember that besides me? You, vaguely, it's in Joshua. The Jordan River will overflow its banks during the whole time of the harvest. We're there. The Jordan represents death. We're seeing death on a massive scale all over the world. They're coming after you. There are people that want you dead. It just got to be honest with you. Does the de- Wait, he steals, kills, and destroys. So there's a good chance he would like for you to die. He's probably already tried to kill a bunch of us, right? It hadn't worked. God intervened. 
He's kept us. But during the whole time of the harvest, and I'm just telling you, we're there. We got to know how to be the church. We got to run while it is day, because night is coming when no no one will work. Your time may come before my time. My time may come before your time, but we've got to do the will of the Father. Who are those that are going to stand before Him in that day? Those who did the will of their Father. Not those who just showed up, they learned a little bit about Jesus. The demons know all about Jesus, but they tremble. Anyway, okay, let's get back to the text. Because God opened my eyes about this thing and um, of the time that we're living in. Acts chapter 2, look back in verse 22. Watch it, three things, and I'm going to see something else. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Why did he say that? He didn't want any mistake. In this hour, there are many Jesus claimed to be. You need to know the real one, the real Jesus of Nazareth. The one who is the Son of God, who died and rose from the dead. There'll be many false Christ. How many of you know that? It's going to happen. There are many false prophets Probably some of those who we think are the wisest. We're going to be stunned on that day. False prophets. I remember, you remember I told you, I was reading that scripture in Peter. And I, I actually stopped reading in the middle. They're false prophets. And I thought, I said, Lord, there sure were a lot of false prophets in your day. He said, read on. So I looked back down and I read, as there will be in yours going to be a lot of false prophets. You better know the real. You better know his voice. Better know the anointing. That's the key. Know the anointing. The voice can lead you astray. The anointing will lead you in the right way. Okay, so anyway, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God. God bore witness. This is my son by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. You yourselves also know. But he goes on. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You taken by lawless hands and you crucified and you put him to death. Whom God has raised up having loosed the pains of death. Because it was not even possible that he should be held by it. Now there are three things I saw. Number one, he was taken by lawless hands. If they took him by lawless hands, do you think if lawlessness is going to abound in this hour, you think they might could possibly take you and me by lawless hands? Something to consider. I'm going to let you answer that. They took him. They took him. And then the next thing is that you read... Even though they took him, he didn't deserve to die. They thought they were getting away with putting him to death. But it was always the determined purpose of God. Now, isn't that amazing? The determined purpose of God Almighty. They thought, I bet you there were many that thought, man, this is it. I know the guys on the road to Emmaus. They put to death our only hope. Death has come to our door, Jesus. They didn't deserve to die. But it was the determined purpose of God. Can I tell you, the the determined purpose of God is greater than the lawless hands of men. If you're a child of God, you're more held by the determined purpose of God than you are by some lawless man who is a spirit of Antichrist. Does that make sense? you got to know this. And even if they succeed. What's the last thing we see? Whom God raised him up. Have him loose the pains of death because it was not even possible that death should hold him. So they did not succeed. If they succeed in what's your ultimate destiny? Even if you die, yet shall you what? Shall you live? In other words, Even if they put us to death, they can't win. We win. 
We went, did not Sarah say, we overcome by the word of our testimony, the blood, the word, and we love not our lives unto death? What if, what if that is required? It's not even possible that death should hold us. We're people of the resurrection. Hey, just say this. Say, I'm a son or I'm a daughter, whichever one you are. Say, I'm a son or daughter. I'm a son of the resurrection. You got to believe that in this hour. It does not matter. We live forever. If you know that, you won't deny him when you have that opportunity. Because what is this life? I reckon myself is indeed dead to sin that I might live for Christ. Whether I live or whether I die, that I might not be put to shame in anything. But with all boldness, Christ shall now be exalted in my body. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's got to be our... It's not just something you read in a Bible story. It's got to be your testimony. God raised him up. Remember what Abraham said? Okay, he killed his own son, the promise. Why? Because he believed God would raise him up. You got to have that same mindset. God will raise me up. Some of you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. This is the Bible. I'm going to tell you like it is. Didn't the Lord say, do not fear those who kill the body? In other words, fear God. After you're dead, can make sure the body and soul is tossed into hell. So you fear God. You don't fear men. Okay, here they are. Real quick, how do we live in a perverse generation? I want to know myself. You want to know? Because I want to know. I want to know how to live. I thank God the Bible is not just a book of Sunday school lessons. It's a book of living. The Word of God is alive and sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword. Sharper. You live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You don't live by somebody's opinion. You don't live by your own feeling. You live by the Word of God. You've got to be a people of the Word of God. And I know that you are. That's why you're here. But anyway, how do we live in a perverse generation? And uh, look in verse 25. And we've stayed in Acts chapter 2, verse 25. And he says, for David says, concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. There's the first one. Number one, keep the Lord always as your focus. Keep Jesus as your ultimate attention. Give him your ultimate attention. Does that make sense? Because you're not going to be able to Turn off all the things going on in the world. They're going to be too many. They're coming from too many directions. I was thinking, the things right now that threaten our nation, you could list them probably on all of our fingers. I mean major threats. We don't even talk about the border anymore. Millions of people coming in. They don't even know who they are. They're scattering. They're being planted all over America. That's just one of about 25,000 things that I could tell you that threaten us in this hour. So you can go read your little Bible study. (laughs) You you ain't going to make it. You better know what God says about this day. But you better keep Him as your... The vision is of Him. Of Him. In the mid, that's what Stephen did. They even stoned him. I see the Lord. Man, whoa, this is great. So you got to have that same kind of, okay, I first saw the Lord. Does that make sense? Secondly, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. The right hand is the, that's the nearest. They wanted, who's going to get to sit on, on your right hand? So that means... Be near, stay near to him. He's at your right hand. And if you know he's with you, you will not be shaken in the days of the great shaking. Nobody said amen. Everything that can be is going to be shaken. Except 
the kingdom of God. So if you are sitting next to the king of the kingdom, you're in pretty good place. Pretty good place. And then he goes on, I foresaw the Lord. He's always at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced. In other words, that, that word means celebrate, to be glad, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In these weeks, I'm going to be looking in that book, Nehemiah Strong, and then studying in the book of Nehemiah. See what God is saying at this hour because I believe it's a word for the day. But to get a head start, in Nehemiah's time, God made them rejoice with great joy so that the joy Jerusalem had was heard afar off. That's what it says in the book of Nehemiah. Now that will draw in the crowd. Okay, man, those guys in Raleigh, I hear a sound coming out of Moravian Falls. There's an eruption of joy. That's what the Scripture did, far off, where they could not have normally have heard. They heard the sound of joy, the eruption of joy. There's a joyful people. There's no baby formula. They're even wiping out the cows. But there's joy in the house of the Lord. They must have something better than cows. I got to go see what they got over there. The joy. You got to rejoice. Even if you don't feel like it, make yourself rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. Though there be no, what's that? Habakkuk, though the fig tree may not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. That's got to be our testimony. Anyway, that's pretty good stuff. Lord, help me remember it as well. And then the next thing. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Watch your speech in this hour. Don't be caught saying, oh, whoa, it's over. Oh, it's not over. It's just beginning. For you... Eternity is far longer than this season of time. It's not over. We're doomed. No, we're blessed. I'm chosen. I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm a child. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of the resurrection. I'm not doomed. You're doomed. I'm glad in my Lord. You got to have, now be careful what tongue means you talk. The tongue will set the world on fire. Don't set the forest on fire. Go put the fire out. You go to the fire in the forest, you say, Jesus is Lord. He's king. I only know one king, and his name is Jesus. And then the next thing, my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. So what do you do in the midst of a perverted time? You have a hope that is secure. There is a rest for the people of God. A rest. There is hope in the midst of what seems to be hopeless. This is our testimony. You know, they would not even allow the Son of God. This is all in this context. They would not allow Him to see corruption. That's what the Scripture says. My flesh, moreover my flesh will rest in hope. You will not leave my life or my flesh in Hades and then make me to know the ways of life the ways of life include dying do you know that dying is part of our journey how many of you know that you know it's not shocking it is appointed man wants to die okay then that is the door the gateway And then ultimate joy. That's what he says. Look at that. For you've made me to know the ways of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. When I awaken your presence. Where's that scripture? I read it somewhere in Psalm. Somewhere. When I awaken your presence in your likeness. All I know. It ends pretty good. Okay. So the word. This is the title of this message. Revival behind enemy lines. 
I, you know, Lord, I don't know all that means. But if it's behind enemy lines, I better know you. I better know you. I better know your word. And I better just be about your business. Revival behind enemy lines. In other words, man's ships are going to sink. There's only one ship that's going to survive in this hour. You know what that is? The Lordship of Jesus Christ. Get on his ship and you won't sink. You're not going to say it's not possible. It was not even, that's what that scripture said. They put him to death. He was innocent. He didn't deserve it. It was not even possible that death should hold him. Not even possible. That's, that's us. It's not even possible. He will not leave our soul in Hades. We will not see corruption. We're sons of the resurrection. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm going to go to a baseball game with my son. And we're going to cook out and have a lot of fun. Man, I'm having a great time being a father. I'm having a wonderful time being a grandfather. How about you guys? I mean, any grandparents? I love being with Addie. I did not, they told me it would be a lot of fun. Man, I'm having fun being a husband. I'm having, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I'm already determined. I'm having, I'm having fun. I don't care what happens, the stock market, all these things. I hear it all like you. I'm going to have fun. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I thank God. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and those watching. Lord, I thank you. We are a people of destiny. We're people of purpose. We're men and women of the Most High God. We have a covenant. Oh, my goodness, God. Thank you for what you have done and what you've given us and who you are. Thank you, Lord. Though none go with me, yet still I will follow. And that the end is even going to be more glorious than the beginning. Lord, we bless your name in this place. God, I pray over everyone that you'll fill them with a fresh gift of faith and passion and purpose. Lord, show them. Give them a greater glimpse of the ultimate purpose for which they've been created and called for this moment. Open doors of which no one could even imagine having been opened. And close the ones that we have no need, we have no business going. We trust you, Lord, to lead my sheep, hear my voice. And I thank you, God, that everyone listening and those in this room, they hear your voice and another voice they will not follow. They will follow the Lamb wherever he goes and see the glory of the Lord. I just pray, Lord, for peace. I pray right now. I bind up anxieties. I bind up fears. How many been, anybody been dealing with fear in this place? Just the fear. Okay. It, just raise your hand. Put it back down. Others. Yeah. There's, you know, you're not condemned. Jehoshaphat feared the multitude that he saw. He just sought the Lord. And that's what we do with fear. We bring it to the Lord. Life is full of fears, dangers, toils. You just run to the one who is your helper. And God, I pray right now and I break off the spirit of fear. I bind it in the name of Jesus. I command it to loose. Lord, those that are watching, I break every spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And in that text, it's timidity, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And I pray, Lord, that the knowledge of God, the love that you have, you cast out all fear. Thank you, Lord. Let just release, Lord, people out of yokes of fear. I bind up sickness. Does he, how many of you are dealing with sickness? I'm, I'm dealing with sickness. We break off sickness now, infirmity. 
a part of our family, Rick, has uh, been taken to the hospital. And anyway, we pray for him too. But we pray for you in this place. We break off the spirit of infirmity. We have something to say about the death that's going on in this hour. I know it's appointed men once to die. But some things should not be allowed to happen. We bind the spirit of death. In the name of Jesus. Over Rick and over everyone in this room. We're under the blood of Jesus. Under the blood of Jesus. I want to pray for those that are watching. Those maybe in this room you've never met Jesus. Just want to lead you in a prayer. Say, man, the Holy Spirit's convicting me and I want a Savior. This is your hour. This is the day of salvation. Just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the Son of God. That he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me. Wash me by the blood of Jesus. I confess you now as my Lord. I board the ship called the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I get on board. And I receive you and I thank you that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you prayed that prayer, God is faithful. His word is true. And you now know Jesus. You turn from sin. You turn to him. You follow him. He'll give you the power, the strength, and the courage to do that. Amen, guys. Now, we're going to have some people praying around the altar. What a glorious Father's Day. Don't leave yet. It's only 12, 13. You need somebody. You need something else to happen that hadn't happened. Come and let some people pray for you. They're going to be deliverance. Going to be sick. Come on up, Sarah. You need to pray for people. I'm telling you, if you're battling addictions and the devil said you are doomed. No, the devil is doomed. Your addiction is doomed. You can be free this day by the power of Jesus Christ. And Sarah's going to pray for you. You're going to be set free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So anyway, we're going to let you go. You stand. Come for prayer. God bless you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and young fathers and fathers-to-be. And God bless you. We love you.